0: Namaste Prayers and meditations And today we read a prayer Short prayer Dated January 8th 1914 January 8th 1914 And she starts with something very wonderful Let us Shun the paths which are too easy and without effort. Those paths which engender in us the illusion that we have arrived. Let us shun the negligence which opens the door to every fall. Let us shun the Complacent self admiration, which leads towards every abyss. What are the paths which are too easy and without effort? Shorabindo, in one of his essays, Yoga and Its Objects, I think it is in Collected Works of Shorabindo, Volume 13. It's a very, very beautiful, powerful piece of literature. He compares this path the path of Supramental Yoga and many other paths. So he says that there are many paths which are like artificial paths. And he says artificial paths are like canals with a definite beginning and a definite end. They are easy, swift and smooth. But they lead us to very limited gains though they come very quickly. But this path is like the wide ocean in which we experience the freedom of the infinite. Then he describes what is this kind of effort which is given in artificial paths vis-a-vis this yoga. He says that these path, there are paths which tell us uh, what we have to do, some kind of effort. And it gives us the illusion of doing something and sometimes the ahankara that we are doing something. And he says that these are paths which give us certain limited experiences. Uh, so many pranayam, more pranayam today. So many, so much longer the asana. So many more hours of japa. And they lead us to this illusion that we are doing some kind of an effort and we are having some experiences and we get satisfied with those experiences and stop moving forward. So they are like feel-good path. But... On the other hand, in this path, it is not human effort, but the divine mother. So, the effort in this yoga is to assist her working. And he says, the divine Shakti does not work like this. She picks up one strand, leaves it aside, pauses here, picks up some other. But at the end, when she picks up all the threads... Some that she has left half complete Some that she has stopped over Some that she has picked up again And then weaves them together She weaves a wonderful harmony And then he says in this yoga It is the divine Shakti Who drives the ship of the yoga And where is it going? It is going towards the Brahmavidya. So what is the compass? The compass is faith. So this is what is one kind of path where there is an illusion of effort and the mother is asking us, let us shun those paths. We all want some definitive practice. There are a lot of people who keep asking this question. They should read Mother and very clearly, repeatedly. Shurbindo says there are various kinds of practices but none of them is really necessary. If you feel inclined, you can do it. But the Yoga, the results of yoga do not come because of that. They may be temporarily necessary at a certain stage of evolution, but they have to prepare us to reach a point where aspiration within becomes constant, where faith becomes more and more integral and complete, where sincerity grows like a pure flame within us and... Uh, Things like ambition, even the ambition, the will to achieve, to have this experience or that experience, the urge to be a yogi, all these things drop away from us. And then the surrender is uh, integral and in every part of the being. So this is the state where we have to arrive at. And if we have not arrived that state, then all other practices, sitting in meditation, doing this japa, trying that method or technique they may be helpful for a moment but they have to lead us to this great culminating point so she is saying let us shun the paths which are uh, too easy don't require much effort like sit in meditation for 2 hours or uh, you know do this japa this mantra for so many uh, so much time these are easy paths also this kind of negligence about what is happening in the field of nature it is this that opens the door to every fall And this self-admiration, complacent self-admiration. Oh, I have already arrived. Oh, I have already had such beautiful experiences. Oh, I have been given this position by providence. Oh, I have this uh, wonderful vision. If we harbor such things, then we are sure to suffer a fall. But what should be our state? Our state should be a state of constant humility. What is that humility? She is now. Revealing to us. Normally we think uh, by humility, um, uh, humility before others. Uh, When people praise you, you say, no, 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 I am nothing, you know, uh, I am nobody. But inside we may be harboring the pride. That is not humility, that is a show of humility. But true humility is to know that whatever, how much ever we may have advanced, there is so much more. This gives us the sense of being a child who is always uh, looking at this world, this creation with wonderful eyes and also keeps in us the youthfulness which is needed for the progress. The moment we think we have arrived, we have progressed and now we can don't have to progress any further, then the downfall starts. So she is reminding us, we must learn that whatever our efforts Whatever our struggles, whatever even our victories, compared with the path still to be traversed, what we have already travelled is nothing, and that all are equal. Infinitesimal particle of dust or the same divine star, In the face of eternity. So this idea of high and low, greater and lesser, I have progressed, somebody has not progressed, I am a wise person, another person is a fool. All these thoughts are contrary to true progress. So she gives us two simple things to remember. Whatever may be the effort, some people do a little effort, go through some struggle and they start demanding the divine to give them some experience or the fruit or the result of sadhana. How much ever our effort may be, it can never equal the grace. It can never be equal to the grace that is always there around us. This is what we are reading also in Shurwindo's life, how he reminds us that whatever our struggles, it is nothing before the grace and its unfolding and its incalculable ways. This is the first thing that we have to remember. There is no limit. We are, there is something we can always do a little more. That story of the mother, You know, we have to reach the extreme limit of our effort and then we have to add to it the wonderful action of grace which is always there but we don't recognize it and we are not ready for it so that story is where somebody is lifting weight and uh, you know after he lifts for example 10 kilo each side then she raises it the bar to 20 and he lifts it then 30 then he finds it difficult but lifts it then after she adds something more and there comes a point where the person says i cannot lift anymore then she says, now when you cannot lift anymore, think that it is not you who are lifting, but I am lifting. And the person concentrates for some time and then is able to lift it. So we have to make it, make our effort, but we have to remember even this effort is possible only because of the grace. And then when we remember the grace, then there is no limit to the efforts. Our struggles are no more struggles, but simply her revelations in us and the path And the journey which because of her being with us becomes so easy. Even when outwardly people may see struggle and effort. Second thing we have to remember is the sense of being greater or lesser. We have to get rid of it completely. He is as much in the smallest grain of sand, in the dust that we put below our feet, as the mighty shock of a star which is burning billions of light years away, far, far away from us, above our head. In both, there is the one divine Brahman. As Shobindu says in The Life Divine, the Samam Brahman. He is equal everywhere, and very beautifully in his uh, wonderful poem, the hand that sent Jupiter spinning through heaven spends all its cunning to fashion a curl. But Thou art the conqueror of all obstacles, the light which illumines all ignorance, the love which overcomes all pride, and no error can persist before Thee. So first she is pointing out the obstacles, the sense of self-sufficiency, the illusion of effort, the feeling that I have done so much, the sense of self-importance, the sense of being high, superior, etc., etc. And then she is saying, but there is a remedy. And what is the remedy? Before which all these errors can be removed, wash away, and they cannot stand. And that remedy is the Divine Presence. He is the remedy. But thou art the conqueror of all obstacles. And what are these obstacles? The obstacle within us. The obstacles that are the result of ego. The obstacles that are the results of vanity and pride and arrogance of the intellect. None of these can stand before us. Before the divine. The light which illumines all ignorance. However thick the veil of ignorance, his light can penetrate it and change it. Into a transparent mantle of lamp of light. The love which overcomes all pride. This is something remarkable. Love gives itself. And the divine, by the fact of giving himself, takes away our pride. See, this is the story of Shri Krishna, where we see that how Sri Krishna takes away the pride of the gopis. He is the lover. The soul beloved, and all of them love him, and his love is for all. But what does he do? His abundant love when he takes away the clothes of the gopis and tells them to come out without the clothes. And then, yes, Shubindu, in fact, there is an aphorism to this that each sees his own image. So he says this is a wonderful image, and the moralist sees in it only the immorality, but the yogin sees in it the supreme lesson of yoga that there comes a time when we have to let our pride go. And what is the pride? He says there are two kinds of pride. One, we hold on to our vices and feel we are very great. We can do this. There are some people who hold on to their vices and wickedness, thinking they are very smart, they are very cunning, how they cheated someone, how they made fool of someone. But there is an even worse pride. When this pride falls away, which a sattvic mind understands and lets go, there is the other pride, the pride of self righteousness, the pride of being good, and the pride of being holy. And he says that is an even more difficult pride. And the story of Krishna and the uh, gopis bathing in the pool is to let go of our not only the pride of our vice, but the pride of our virtues. And then in utter shamelessness to let go of all fear and shame and stand before the Lord naked without anything to cover or hide us. So that is what he he says, the love which overcomes all pride. By the intensity of the love, he snatches all our clothing. You know, uh, there's so many stories I am reminded of uh, how this pride can be a weakness. It's there in the Mahabharata when Duryodhana is, you know, Gandhari says, That now you have lost everything, but at least tomorrow when you fight with Bhima, you must win. But Bhima is, you know, matchless. So you come and come before me, I'll open my eyes and look upon your body and because I have done this sapasya of Shiva, whatever part of your body I see, your whole body will become strong as a thunderbolt. And he goes. But because of the sense of shame, he covers his thighs and the private areas. And she opens her eyes and the entire body becomes strong except this part which he has not exposed before her. Now this is the point, the weak point which Bhima at one point hits. uh, Because otherwise there is no way you can uh, win over Duryodhana who has really received that extra special boon. Uh, And that is the weak spot through which he... False. So those areas which we hide from the divine, from the divine light, from the divine love, because we don't want to reveal them, we want to conceal things before the divine. We want to look like a sadhu, bacha, want to look like a good human being. But that those spots become our weak spots, and they are hit till we learn the lesson of humility and of utter abandon and surrender. So the divine love. Overcomes all pride. The other story, the other little thing is a couplet from uh, Amir Khusro where he says that I went to meet my beloved and I wore a beautiful attire, my dress was beautiful, my uh, tikka, bindi and the best of ornaments. I went to impress him. But what did he do? As soon as I saw, he saw me, he looked at me and all my pride fell. All these ornaments fell. My very dress fell off. And I stood before him in utter nudity of my spirit. So, his love which overcomes all pride. And what is there before this light and love and this wonderful uh, presence what error can stay for long? So she closes with these sublime words of hope and no error can persist before Thee. Namaste.